Let's pray together and we'll open up God's word. This has been a good time already this morning, Lord. Thank you for worship and for the things that have been shared. And, and thank you, Lord, for the gift of the scriptures. We just want to come now and humbly surrender our lives to, to what we're going to read in your word. We want to approach your word as, as your word. We want to submit to your word and love your word. We know that you will, by your power, enable us to obey your word. So come and do a mighty work. I pray that Mercy Hill Church would be, all of us, me, all of us, would be deeply impacted this morning through what you want to say to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Well, today and then next Sunday, we're going to be taking a break from uh, the book of Isaiah, which has been just really good to be preaching through. And instead, we're going to focus on the meaning of Christmas with two powerful passages from the book of Hebrews. One in Hebrews chapter 1 and the next week from Hebrews chapter 2. So let's go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 1 right now. And if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We'd like you all to have one to look at. Um, The scriptures are the important important thing here. The scriptures are the authority. The scriptures are where the power is. These are the words you want to be giving a special heed to. Uh, and so I want you to all to be able to look up Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4. This is page 1001, by the way, in the Bibles that we're passing out right here. So Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4. Here's some background on the book of Hebrews, just to kind of get this set in your mind. is a letter written actually to a group of believers um, before the year AD 70, right in there, in the 60s. AD 60s, right in there. And it was written to a group of believers who had been experiencing excruciating persecution and suffering, and difficulty. So much so that a number of them had just kind of said, I'm just going to kind of pull back in my earnest pursuit of Christ. And so a number of them had pulled back from really being devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were just kind of, kind of you know, slacking in terms of really getting into what the apostles had taught the scriptures. They were also pulling back from gathering with other believers. So in many ways, they were just kind of slacking off. And so in chapter after chapter after chapter in the book of Hebrews, the author stirs them up. Look at who Jesus is. To be devoted to him. Seek him. Follow him. Love him. Chapter after chapter after chapter, he gives them reasons for why they should turn back to Jesus with, with all their might and all their passion. And one of the most powerful reasons he gives them is right here. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through Four. So look at what he says here. Starting in verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, that's the time between Jesus' first coming and second coming, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he, get this next line, upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Okay, so the author of Hebrews, one point 
he clearly wants to bring out here is this the simple fact that God has spoken. Did you catch that? Two times he says that. Verse 1, God spoke. Verse 2, he has spoken. Crucial truth to get in mind about God. The God of the universe, the God who's created everything, the God who created you, has spoken. And think about how important that is. Think about people in your life whose uh, speaking is important to you. Just times in your life where it's been really important to have somebody talk to you. I remember a time when, uh, it's a long time ago, when, when my wife Jan was having major surgery. And it was really important that I have that surgeon come out and talk to me about how it went, how she's doing. And as important as that was, it was even more important for me to go and see her when she'd come out from under anesthesia and have her talk to me so that I could verify that she was doing okay, which I'm thankful to the Lord she was. Or let's say that maybe you applied to a company that you really are hoping to get a job from. And so you now are on pins and needles waiting to have them speak to you. You want to have them speak, tell me. Or maybe you've proposed to a a girl and you're waiting to have her speak to you and hopefully say yes. there's, There's all kinds of times in our lives where it's really, really important to have people speak to us. But, but can you see that as important as all of those are, it is infinitely more important to have God speak to us. I mean, think about it. Some of you, I I would guess, you you hear that and you think, okay, I'm not even really sure that there is a God. I'm not quite there yet. Okay. Um, We're glad you're here. We would love to talk to you more. We, We believe there's a God. We believe we've met him in Jesus. But we know that that can be a process for people. So think about the question this way, if that's where you're at. If there is a God who has created everything, the universe, and who's created you, and that his work of creation is why you are here on planet Earth, wouldn't it be of the infinite importance to have him tell you why? What are you doing here? What is all this for? Where is all this going? What's it all about? Wouldn't that be just of infinite importance to you? My dad likes to use this illustration. He used to love to backpack and, you know, topographic maps and everything. And uh, he says that without God speaking to us, it's like we, we're just like a group of hikers who all of a sudden find themselves in this valley surrounded by mountains. Just here we are. So we have no idea, where's this trail going? Uh, how do we avoid the trails that are going to like take us off a cliff? How do we find water to drink? How do we get our way back to civilization? What, what is this all about? That's where we would be at if God hadn't spoken to us. We would be here clueless But what this is all for. But what the author of Hebrews wants to tell us is God has spoken. It's like an airplane flew over and a little canister dropped down on a parachute. And a top, any topographic maps? I was in Boy Scouts. I used to backpack with my dad. Anybody know about topographic maps? They're awesome. Okay, Maps are kind of a guy thing, right? Anyway, I love maps. And so... Oh, here we are, and, and we don't want to go on that trail, but that's how we can get water, and well, that's the way to get out of civilization, and now we see what this is all about and where to go. And that's what God has done in speaking to us. God has spoken. Because if God hasn't spoken, we don't have a clue what's going on, but because God has spoken, we know. See, God is not mostly mysterious. There are aspects of him that are mysterious. 
and that we will never understand, but God is not mostly mysterious. God has communicated with us. He has spoken clearly to us. And the author of Hebrews says there's two different ways that God has spoken. The first is in verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So here the author is talking about the Old Testament time period from, from Adam and Eve up to the coming of Jesus. During that time, God spoke at many times and in many ways. So think about some of the different times and ways that God spoke to people through the Old Testament. Okay, he spoke to Moses, gave him what to write in you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, he called Moses by a, what, burning bush. He spoke through a burning bush to Moses. He spoke through dreams to Joseph, to Daniel, to Gideon, to many others. He spoke through amazing signs and wonders in delivering the people of Israel from Egypt. He spoke through an outpouring of fire upon the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that? He also spoke through fire being poured out upon Elisha's soaking wet altar, right? Showing that God is God, Baal is not God. God spoke through that way. He spoke through a a donkey with Balaam. He spoke through prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. I just read Obadiah this morning. Okay, so there's many times from, from Genesis to the coming of Christ, many, 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 many times and many, 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 many ways God spoke. Now, why so many times? And why so many ways? There's probably lots of, lots of answers, but I think it just shows us how much God loves us. God created us. He created you. You're here by, by his creation. He created Moses and Abraham and Sarah. He loves his creation. He wants to communicate to his creatures, to us, to his, his beloved. He wants to tell us what's going on. What are we about? What's this for? How should we live? What should we avoid? Who is he? Who are we? So many, 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 many different times and in many, many different ways from, from Genesis all the way through the coming of Christ, God has spoken in so many ways, so many times, because he loves us. He cares about us. I mean, you've got to get this. God loves you. He has spoken to you. And this is one of the ways. That's not all that God has done. That's verse 1. In the Old Testament, God spoke long ago at many times and in many ways. But now look at verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, very different. Old Testament, many different times, many different ways to the prophets, by the prophets. New Testament, he has spoken to us by his Son. Now, what's so significant about that? Okay, well, again, think of all the ways in the Old Testament. Burning bushes, donkeys, dreams, writing scrolls, speaking through the prophets. There's all these different ways that God spoke through the Old Testament. And those were clear and those were helpful But as clear as those were, there was one way God could communicate even more clearly than all those ways. Think about it like this. Like right now, all of our technology, you can text someone, you can send someone an email, you can message somebody on Facebook, you can send somebody a real letter, you can leave a voicemail, you can call them. All these ways we can communicate, but with all that, there's one way that's the most clear way you can communicate to someone. Hello? 
Hi, can we talk face to face? You showing up is the clearest way that we can communicate with people. And that's what God has done in Jesus Christ. A little bit of background. The Bible teaches, most of you know this, some of you may not, that the one God is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that each of them is one-third of God. What that means is that each of them in, in himself is fully God. The Father is fully God. The Spirit is fully God. And Jesus the Son is fully God. So, when God sent Jesus to earth, had him be born as a baby in a manger, he was coming to the earth in the person of Jesus. God came to the earth in the person of Jesus. So, the Old Testament, all those different ways are like text messages, voicemails, Facebook messages, you know, whatever it might be, all those ways. But in the New Testament, God's, I'm here. Hello. My creation. I'm here. Do you feel the power of that? As clear, as helpful, as wonderful as the Old Testament is, and I love the Old Testament, what God has done in these last times is to speak to us in his Son, the Creator, has come to His creation. He's here. Now, the author of of Hebrews wants to make sure we get this. And so he gives us six statements, end of chapter, end of verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, gives us six statements to make sure we understand that the Son is fully God. So let's just Go through these six statements so that you can see this. These are very powerful. First, verse 2, he says, All things will be inherited by the Son. Verse 2, In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Jesus Christ was born in a manger. I just want you to feel just how amazing this is. So here's, here's this baby born in a manger. If you were there with Mary and Joseph, the baby you're holding in your arms will inherit all things. Now, a father passes on the inheritance to the son because the the son's equal to the father. The son has, has the rights to all the inheritance, the father, which means that Jesus is, the son is absolutely equal to God the father, which shows that Jesus, the son, born as a baby, It's fully God. Verse 2, continue. Through whom also he created the worlds. Okay, so the the Father created the world through the Son. Okay, here's here's the Son born in a manger, Jesus. The Son, through whom God is speaking, created the world. The world. Through him, through Jesus, God created the world, which, and again, the only one who creates is God, which shows that Jesus, the Son, is fully God. Verse 3 is, is, is the most clear statement in the list. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his 
nature. So just feel it. The, the baby born in the manger is the radiance of God's glory. The exact imprint of his nature. The same nature as God the Father. Fully God. Fully God. Keep going. Verse 3. The universe is upheld by the power of the Son. I love that song that we sang which had those exact words. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus Christ, the man Jesus Christ, who's fully man, born as a baby, what does he uphold by the word of his power? The universe. Right? Did you catch that? He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus Christ, born as a baby, fully man, as we'll see next week in Hebrews 2, is also fully God. In the birth of Jesus, in Jesus coming to the earth, it's God coming to the earth in the person of Jesus. The creator came to the creation. End of verse 3. This is, I, I love this one. Our sins can be purified through the Son. Read the end of verse 3. After making purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. See, God wants to communicate clearly who he is. He's a forgiving God. And that's what he communicated clearly through sending Jesus. The baby was born. Jesus was born in order to die. His death was no accident. His death was not like a tragic story gone wrong. His death and the resurrection was the point of his coming. Do you realize this is the most awesome news in the world? Do you understand that you can be purified from your sins? Do you understand that? There's three ways that happens. Okay. Well, first of all, Jesus dies on the cross. He pays for our sins. That's the message of the gospel. And so when you put your trust in him, then three things happen. First of all, at that moment, when you put your trust in Jesus, all the guilt for all of your sins, past, present, and future, is paid for by Jesus. All the guilt is lifted off of you, and you just have God's love and forgiveness and mercy and compassion now and for the rest of your life. So that's the first thing that happens. All the guilt of your sin is gone. Second thing that happens is at that moment... He starts to purify you from actual sins. You will find your heart starting to, you love people. And like Joe was talking earlier that when you, you know, you live in community with brothers and sisters, you're going to start to annoy each other. Is that what he said? Is that true? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Uh, But you'll still stop to be quite as annoyed. You'll stop being, you'll start to forgive more and be patient, right? You'll, you'll, you'll care for the poor more. You'll, you'll reach out to your neighbor and serve them. You'll, 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 you'll share the gospel with people. You'll, you'll find your life progressively becoming more and more pure from actual sin. That's the second thing. And then the third thing is, when Jesus comes back, or when you die and go to be in his presence, whichever comes first at that moment, you'll be completely purified from actual sin. That's what Jesus did. Now, who can purify from sin? Can any man do that? No. God does that. The Son did that. The Son is God. Keep going, one more. Having become, verse 4, as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Okay, the point is that the Son is superior to angels. Now, here's how the Bible describes things there's God, supreme over all, and there's angels 
created beings, very powerful. And then there's people like us. God, angels, and people. If the son is superior to the angels, what does that make him? God. So see, statement after statement after statement here, the author of Hebrews wants to drive home the point that God spoke in his son. And the reason that that is such a clear speaking of God is because the son was God. Like Jesus said, most amazing statement. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Wow! Because Jesus the Son is fully God. And so what that means is, this is just the most amazing thing, the creator of the universe, I mean, how big is he? Remember we did that series last year talking about all the light years of galaxies and how big everything is? I mean, God is just amazing. And that the creator would be, would be born as a baby in the manger. God has come. Your creator has come and made himself clear. He's communicated in the clearest possible way to humanity. He couldn't have been more clear. There's text messages, there's voicemails. No, no, no. Hi, I'm your creator. I want to make it really clear what's going on. So that's what God has done for us. And so when, when Jesus was walking on the earth, God was walking on the earth in the person of Jesus. And so when we see Jesus, we learn about God. We, we learn that God exists. Some of you, like I said, maybe you're struggling with that very question. I would just encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and ask yourself, these are four historical documents, four different authors. They, 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 are, they are not cookie cutters of each other. They're, there's divergences, there's differences, and they corroborate each other, just like four eyewitnesses of an accident would corroborate each other. And when you read through the Gospels and you read about the, the kind of life Jesus lived, only God can live that kind of life. Right? You, you know what happened. Massive storm with his disciples in a boat. They're all panicking and screaming. And he says, storm, quiet. Storm, oh, whoosh. Who does that? Yeah, you can try it, okay? <laughs> Not going to help. He healed blind eyes. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Come forth, Lazarus. Corpse, live. Lived. So we can see there is a God. This man walking in us, he's a man. He's fully man. He's God. Look at what he does. When you see Jesus, you see God, and so that shows us that God cares because Jesus, I've been memorizing the passage in Luke 19 where Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Here's the creator weeping over the city which is so far from him. You can see in Jesus that God cares. He cares. You can see in Jesus that God is is just and will punish sin. Think about Jesus. He, He just slams the scribes and Pharisees for their hypocrisy. He just lets them have it. And think about him casting the money changers out of the temple. So in Jesus we see God is just and he does punish sin. Sin stirs up holy wrath in God. We see it in Jesus. We also see in Jesus that God is merciful and that he forgives sin. Remember the the, the paralytic? 
lowered down through the roof, the first thing Jesus said was, son, your sins are forgiven. That's God speaking forgiveness because of what Jesus would do on the cross. This man's sins be forgiven as he's repenting and putting his trust in Jesus. God's just, wrath over sin, also merciful, and he'll forgive sin. And in Jesus, we can learn clearly from God directly what we need to do to be forgiven. Right? Repent of our sin. Surrender our lives in trust to Jesus Christ. Surrender fully to Jesus Christ. Is, is, is three-quarters surrender surrender? It's not a trick question. Three-quarters of surrender is not surrender. Surrender is surrender. Right? If, if you're the enemy, it, you've been defeated, and you wave the white flag, and you say, well, here's our terms. No, 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 no. That's a white flag. We got all the guns, right? You don't start talking about terms, okay? So, but again, God's not guns, and, and he's caring, and he's loving, but the point is, that's how we be forgiven, is we surrender our lives to him in faith. And then in Jesus, we see how God tells us how we should live. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Cast all your cares, all your needs, all your heart thirsts upon him. Let him satisfy you and meet you. And you'll be able to forgive people. You'll be able to turn the other cheek. You'll speak the truth. You'll stop lusting. You'll care for the poor. You'll love your brothers and sisters in Christ, which is a love that's so unusual that people who don't know Jesus will say, that's that's amazing. You'll make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You'll, you'll sell some of your stuff to care for the hungry around you. So in Jesus, God has come and communicated with crystal clarity. Crystal clarity. So just let this sink in. We desperately need to have God, our creator, speak to us. We would be absolutely lost without him speaking to us. We wouldn't know which end is up, what to do, why we're here, where this is all going. So all through the Old Testament, many times, many ways, great love, God clearly spoke to to Israel. We can read that Old Testament, benefit from it, but in these last days, God has spoken in the clearest way possible. I'm here. I'm here. The creator has come to his creation. Okay, so what, what does this mean for us? What, is it, what does the author of Hebrews want us to, to draw from this? And notice, from verse 5 all the way down to the end of the chapter, he piles up all these scriptures showing that Jesus is superior to the angels. I'm not sure, maybe his readers were st- struggling with kind of an angel thing, or I'm not sure what's going on here. Maybe there was kind of a weird worship of angels going on in, in some of those um, Jewish background people. But the, the conclusion from all of chapter 1 is chapter 2, verse 1. Look at the conclusion. So God has spoken to us many times in Old Testament in these last days through Jesus. What's the therefore? Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Which means we must pay close attention to the scriptures. That's what we need to do. Now, I've talked about the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, all the many ways, all the different times when God spoke in the Old Testament. How did we get the New Testament? Okay? Notice he says, pay much closer attention to what we have heard. He's talking there about the, the apostles' teaching. Who are apostles? How do we have access to the apostles' teaching today? 
apostles were appointed by Jesus and specially gifted by Jesus to, first of all, they, they, they personally saw Jesus, they were eyewitnesses of Jesus, they had met Jesus, and then he called them and gifted them so that they would remember everything Jesus said and did. He specially gifted them so that they could perfectly, flawlessly write down and speak about what Jesus said and did and understand from God's understanding, perfect understanding, the implications of what Jesus said and did, and so that's what we have here in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, all the way through. This is the teaching of the apostles. This is what, we, what he's referring to when he says, pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Today, the way we do that is by studying the New Testament. So you put Old and New Testament together. And the point that I want you just to, to really walk away with today is that you hold in your hands, just hold it. Got a Bible there? Just hold it. Okay, You hold in your hands crystal clear speaking from God himself. Right here. Here's the topographic map. Okay? Here's the how to put the erector set together. Okay? Here's the, you know, what kind of oil does your car need? Okay? But infinitely more valuable than any of those things which you're holding in your hand is crystal clear communication from your creator. Holy Bible, right? This is an amazing. I mean, you're, you're saying you have a book from God? You do. And I do too. It's the Holy Bible. So what Christmas, not, not what Christmas is all about, but a major part of what Christmas is about is that God has come to earth in the person of Jesus, a baby born in a manger, in order to communicate to us crystal clearly. That's what Christmas is all about. So here's my question. How much attention are we paying to the scriptures? I mean, how much attention are you paying to God's word? Do, do you read God's word? And do you study God's word? And do you ponder God's word? And do you know more of God's word now than you did last Christmas? And are you living God's word? Are you obeying God's word? How devoted are you to God's word? Think of this analogy. I've used it before, but it just just always hits me. Imagine, okay, hold, hold the Bible in front of you. Imagine that this book in front of you could give you a million dollars if you studied it and learned it and read it. A million dollars. A million dollars. One, two, three, that's that's a lot of dollars. Imagine that this book would give you a million dollars. Would you read it? Would, Would you read a lot of it? Would you read every part of it? A couple times? Would you? You're all looking stunned, okay? This book does not promise you a million dollars, okay? We're not, we're not into kind of the whole prosperity preaching thing here. Um, it'll move you to sell your possessions and give to the poor. Um, God will take care of you. But what this book will do is infinitely, it's not rhetorical overstatement, infinitely more important than a million dollars. Because this is your creator's means of communicating to you. Why do missionaries like the Yulee's kids are going to be going over to an area in the Caucasus region? Why are they going and taking 
grandchild over there. You these are my heroes. Jesus is worth it all. Why are they going to go over there? Leave the leave parents, right? Take grandchild. Why? Because those people don't have one of these. They're going to devote their life, risking a lot in the process, very volatile area where they're going. They're going to devote their life so that these people have one of these. Doesn't that make sense? Because this is their creator's word to them. This is God's crystal clear communication to them. That's why we love Wycliffe Bible translators who are translating God's word for people. So what this will do is infinitely more important than a million dollars. And so we should read it and study it and ponder it. So I just want to challenge you this morning to to revisit this issue. Uh, I would guess there's some of you here and you you really don't have a a rhythm in your life of regular life-giving reading of God's word. Maybe you've tried. Maybe you've had some bad experiences. Maybe that whole thing, like, you know, have your daily quiet time was kind of beat into your head and you just kind 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 of got burned out on it. Whatever the reason is, I want to challenge you between now and Christmas Day, devote yourself to simply reading about the Christmas story. First two chapters of Luke, start there, and the first two chapters of Matthew. And do this. Find a quiet place, okay? Turn the TV off, close the little laptop, unless you've got Bible software, decide, maybe, whatever, you've got to figure that out. Get, get a Bible that works. I, I would encourage you, if you don't have a Bible you're already using, I preach out of and use the English Standard Version, which I think is the most accurate, most readable version. It's my opinion. But if you've already got one that's not that, that's fine. Use, use, use what you're used to. And, and then, then sit down, open up the Bible, and start by praying. And pray Psalm 119.36 first. This is what I do. God, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. And so often, that's where I start. I don't, I'd really rather be reading the paper now. I'd really rather be checking my to-do list for the day or checking my email. God, make, make me love your word now. I've got indwelling sin in me. You've got to overcome this. Help me. Incline my heart to your word. Psalm 1936. And then pray Psalm 1918. Open my eyes. Open the eyes of my heart now so that I can behold wonderful things from your law. Help me. Unless you come, I'm undone. My pride will keep me from liking this. Subdue my pride. Come and, and meet me. And then read. And read. You've got to have the right heart to have this be life-giving. You've got to read humbly. You've got to read surrenderedly. If that's a word. Okay? You've you got to read humble before the Lord. You're God. This is your word. I'm, I'm, I'm your creation. Talk to me. And as you do that, prayerfully, earnestly, God will meet you. So between now and Christmas, if you don't have a rhythm going of life-giving regular time, reading your creator's book, then, then do it between now and Christmas and see what happens. And I, th- I, can, I think I can guarantee you that if you will come earnestly and humbly and prayerfully, you will find that the Lord meets you and, and you'll, you'll want to keep going. You'll want to keep going. Now, those of you who, who already have a pattern, be more devoted to it. Okay? How many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you, 
you're like the real type A disciplined person, so you, you read the Bible every day no matter what. And you get it done as quickly as you can, so you get on to what's really important, you know. <laughs> right? You know, I don't think God's really interested in that. Right? He, that's not what he's about at all. So don't do it that way. Do it humbly, earnestly. And if it's been, if, if it's like familiarity breeds contempt, then ask God, God, change me. Help me to love your word. Help me to see what I really have here. Now let me give you two quotes. Uh, first one's by George Whitfield. Second one's by John Wesley. Both these guys, 1700s, England, okay? And both these guys, George Whitfield and John Wesley, together, they powerfully were used by God to see England filled with the gospel. Their, their street preaching, I mean, they'd get rocks thrown at them, bottles thrown at them, but their street preaching and their passionate zeal for the gospel. But listen to what George Whitfield wrote in his journal when he was 20 years old. 20 years old, okay? He says, I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees. By the way, consider doing that, okay? The, the, the scriptures encourage us. We are, you know, I mean, body, soul, and spirit. I don't know how that all works, but, but I know there's times where I can kneel down and it enables me to feel and be what's right for me to feel and be before God. Whereas standing up, especially from like this, just doesn't, doesn't quite help as much, right? Okay? So, again, people can abuse anything, but I, I don't think we're really on, on the end of abusing that kind of stuff. I think we could could think a little bit more about what the scriptures teach about kneeling. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Psalm 100. It's not a metaphor. Okay? Okay, anyway, back to the quote. I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees, praying over, if possible, every line and word. He just loves this book. My creator... Like these are words from my creator. He's reading and praying over every line and every word. Father, show me what this means. Help me to see this. Help me to believe this. Help me to obey this. This proved meat indeed and drink to my soul. Fresh meat, fresh drink, soul meat, soul drink. When he read the scriptures... Your soul needs to be fed every day. This is God's meal. Okay? Don't starve yourself. Some of you are like emaciated and malnourished, and God wants you to eat. Eat, eat, okay? This proved meat indeed and drink to my soul. I daily received fresh life, light, and power from above. How long has it been since you've experienced anything like that? That can be yours this afternoon, tomorrow, Tuesday. Okay, second quote. That, that quote is about what can happen. This next quote is about why this is so important. This is from a sermon Wesley preached about the importance of God's word. This is an amazing quote. My dad first referred me to this. Wesley says, I am a creature of a day. I'm just just passing through, just temporary. Passing through life quickly 
as an arrow through the air. In a few moments, I am no more seen. I will drop into an unchangeable eternity. That's true about all of us, right? In a few moments, I will drop into an unchangeable eternity, and you will too. I want to know one thing. The way to heaven. Only one thing that's important here. The way to heaven. How to land safe on that happy shore. (laughs) Right? God himself has humbled himself to teach the way. Here's how. It's right here plain as day. You don't need to wonder. God has humbled himself to teach the way. For this very end, he came from heaven. Okay? God has spoken to us in his son. His son's words, his son's coming, the implications were given to the apostles to write the New Testament, scripture, all the New Testament. Here we go. He has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. This is of infinite importance to us. None of us sees this clearly enough. I don't see this clearly enough. You don't see this clearly enough. We gotta turn off the television. We gotta shut down Thunderbird email. We gotta, we gotta focus on the scriptures more. I do. You do. None of us sees this clearly enough. 200 years from now, you will be in an unchangeable eternity. That's not fear more. That's just reality. I will too. Are you sure? Do you, do you know from the book yourself where you'll be? Not because you've heard me talk about it. My goal is to introduce you to the book. So you can turn right now to chapter and verse and say, if I were to be diagnosed with cancer now and be given like 24 hours to live, I'd know exactly where things are going because of this right here. And then because of this right here. Could you do that? You've got to be able to do that. If you're relying on my words or some other pastor's words, hopefully they're right, but that's not, it's not the sword of the Spirit, okay? It's not the Word of God. You've got the book. You've got eyes. You've got a brain. You can read. At any price, give me the book of God. So the God of the universe has spoken to us. Many times, many ways, Old Testament recorded in Genesis to Malachi and in the clearest possible way by his son, which the apostles have put in the New Testament. Your creator, your creator has clearly spoken to you. And he's put it in the book. So be devoted to the book. All right, let's stand up. Let's pray about this. I just think that the Lord wants some of us, some of you, you just want to make a fresh, uh, like turn over a new leaf and just say, Lord, I want to, I want to recommit to, to your word. And he wants you to come up and just stand here. We want to pray for you. Um, nothing special holy about being up here, but, but it, it can be helpful to, to, to make a, 
a, a physical move to make that commitment. So I just, come on up. This morning you want to make a fresh commitment to, to the Word of God. And we want to pray for you and I want to pray for all of us here. I'm praying that, that today, that, that, that Mercy Hill Church today will move ahead as a church and being more devoted to the Scriptures. That's what I'm praying God will do. Just a fresh devotion to the Scriptures. We've got, we've got to be a church of the Word. We've got to be a church that knows the Word, that teaches the Word, that loves the Word, that talks together about the Word, that wrestles together. What does that passage mean? And, and we're, because we love God's Word. So, Lord, I, I pray that you move upon us right now. These, these who've come up, Lord, and, and, and all of us here. Thank you, Father, that you have not played hard to get. You've not remained incognito. You spoke in many times and in many ways in the Old Testament, and those are all recorded for us to learn from and read and enjoy. And you've spoken to us in your Son. You came the Creator came to His creation. And you gifted the apostles to write all of what that means in the New Testament. And so we have your words in our hands here. Oh Lord, bring your power upon us now. Help us to see the things that are wasting our time. Help us to see the things that are distracting us from what is of infinite weight and importance. Lord, I pray that some here who maybe feel like, oh, it's too daunting of a book and it's just, I'm, I'm not that smart. Lord, I, I pray that just give them confidence that you will teach them. You will meet them. You've promised to do that. Listen, church, God has promised to meet you in the scriptures. He's promised. You don't need to be a genius. He's promised to meet you in the scriptures. And he will. So Lord, right now, break that lie if that's on any of us that, oh, I'm not a theologian, or I'm just kind of a hands-on guy, or I like to fix things, I can't, I'm not really a reader. Lord, I pray that you just break through all that right now. You call us to be devoted to your word. So strengthen us in this, I pray. Lord, any here who have come out of a legalistic background where it was all about having your daily quiet time just as kind of a, a ritual or a duty, I pray that you'd set them free from that and that they would see it as an invitation to to a meal, an invitation to time with you. Put that upon us, Father, I pray. Lord, I ask that this week you'd meet each of us in the word. That just like Whitfield said, we would receive fresh life, light, and power from above. Come and do that, Lord, I pray. For the glory of your name.